Let us pray. His Son is the radiance of His glory, the very image of His substance, and upholding all things by the word of His power, who, when He had by Himself purified us of our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 O Lord, the radiance of Your glory is unending. Your power upholds all things, including my soul. You sustain me with your word and empower me with your spirit. Thank you for taking away all my sins forever. I picture you now seated at your Father's right hand, resting from all you've done for me. I put my trust in your finished work above anything I could ever achieve. You have purified me once and for all through the cross. I am forever grateful. In your name, amen. Thank you for praying with me today. Now discover the profound intricacies of Scripture through Pray.com's podcast, The Heartbeat of Faith, with Dr. Andrew Farley. Stay tuned after this quick word from our sponsors. Does your money stretch as far as it used to? Most likely no. Here's why. It took 200 years for the U.S. to print its first $5 trillion. Today, Washington has done that in just three years. The problem? Every new dollar makes each of your dollars worth less. Our sponsor, Birch Gold Group, has helped tens of thousands of Americans protect their IRAs or 401ks from the dollar's loss in value with physical gold and silver. Now you can too. Get a free info kit on gold right now by texting the word HEARTBEAT to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the BBB, you're in good hands with Birch Gold. So get your no-cost, no-obligation info kit now by texting HEARTBEAT to the number 989898. Hello, I'm Dr. Andrew Farley with today's episode of the Heartbeat of Faith podcast. We aim to dive into the most remarkable stories of the Bible, to uncover themes, motifs, and messages to strengthen our faith and transform our thinking. As we discover more about the richness of God's love and grace, we tap into the heartbeat of faith. Today we begin looking at a new question loaded with controversy, challenges, and comfort. We'll answer the question, what is salvation? Specifically for today, what is the grand story of salvation in the Bible? We begin, of course, by understanding who the Messiah is, the hero of God and the Savior of the world. We've seen this passage before, but let's go back to the beginning when Adam and Eve separated themselves from God. The Lord promised a deliverer, but deliverance would come at a cost. God looked to the serpent and said, Because of this, you are cursed to crawl and eat dust for the rest of your days. One day I will make things right, and a son of Eve will come and you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The serpent doesn't just represent Satan himself. He also serves as a representation of the power of sin that tempts humanity. 
God promised a hero to come and be victorious over the serpent. But in the process of defeating him, the hero would be wounded. Humanity continues to spiral. And as we progress through the Old Testament, we find ourselves pining for this promised hero more and more. In the stillness of the night under the stars, God made a promise to Abraham. He declared that the promised hero would come through his lineage. Abraham and Sarah's family was blessed by God forever and he carried them through all the strife of living. The whole world would soon come to know intimately Abraham's blessing from God. One day, the sacrifice of a descendant of Abraham would shower the entire earth with blessing. Yet for now, they waited on the Lord. Abraham begat a son named Isaac, who carried that promise with him. Isaac had a son named Jacob, who sought after the promise with passion. After wrestling with an angel of God, he heard God's promise wash over him as well. God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be Jacob anymore, but your name will be Israel. He named him Israel. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations will be from you, and kings will come out of your body. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and to your offspring after you, I will give the land. Genesis 35 9 through 12. Jacob and his sons were flawed and showed that the evil brought into the world by Adam and Eve still plagued humanity. In a sense, the serpent was coiled around the hearts of men and women. Yet God was still faithful to remind them of his promises. Judah, a temperamental and corrupt son of Jacob, was told that his lineage would be the one to carry on the promise, proving that God works, despite the brokenness of this world, to restore people. After his mistakes with Tamar, Judah bore a son who would be an ancestor of the promised hero. Truly, she is more righteous than I, Judah said with a sigh. I did not give Shelah to be her husband, and now I am paying for it. Judah left Tamar alone after that, and allowed her to live her life in peace. When the time had come, Tamar had twins, Perez and Zerah. Perez had a scarlet cord in his hand. Little did Tamar or Judah know that God would be active in redeeming their family's wickedness, trickery, and dysfunction. From Perez, the promise of Abraham would continue, for he would be an ancestor of Christ himself. From the tribe of Judah, we met someone unlike anyone else before him. He was brave, poetic, and he had a heart for God. 
as we walk through 1 Samuel, we're supposed to wonder, is David the promised hero from the line of Judah, Jacob, and Abraham? Maybe they all wondered, is David going to be the one who releases Israel from the grip of the serpent when he defeated Goliath and led the nation? Perhaps they expected it. But as it turned out, the same sickness that plagued the hearts of mankind since the beginning also plagued David. You are that man, Nathan yelled, pointing his finger at the king. God has anointed you to be king over Israel. He delivered you out of the hand of Saul. He has blessed you with riches beyond your wildest dreams. Not only do you have a wife, but you have three. And yet you strike down Uriah for his. David's soul began to crumble as Nathan spoke for God. Yet he said nothing. Nathan continued and said, Thus says the Lord, The sword shall not leave your household. There will be strife in your household and war among your children. Every king after David seemed even more corrupt, selfish, and evil than the last. Solomon and his lineage continued down a dark path, leading Israel into more sin and dysfunction. The tyrant son of Solomon ruled the nation of Judah with harshness, arrogance, and ignorance. There was a hopelessness that permeated the streets of Jerusalem. Men who did not die in battle were destined to die in the hot sun working for the king. When Rehoboam died, his sin did not die with him. Out of his line came Abijam, the next king of Judah. He was harsh like his father and filled with a pompous spirit. His rule was marked with war and suffering. He fought against Israel constantly and only lived to rule three years. First and second kings led us to believe that the serpent was winning. On the surface, it seemed like he was. However, amid corruption, captivity, and depravity, God sent prophets to remind his people that a redeemer was still coming. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He has caused him to suffer. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and Yahweh's pleasure will prosper in his hand. And the suffering of his soul, he will see the light and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many by the knowledge of himself, and he will bear the iniquities. Isaiah 53, 10-11 Hundreds of years went by, and the people of Israel still longed for this promised hero. With the boot of Roman oppression on their necks, they strained to breathe out cries for help. That's when the promised hero finally came. Jesus an unassuming carpenter from Nazareth, rose as a descendant of David, Judah, Jacob, and Abraham. He faced evil head-on and tore its grip away from humanity by dying on the cross. The serpent bruised him, but Jesus crushed his head. 
Darkness had now enveloped the skies completely, as if preparing for what was about to occur. Nine hours had passed on the cross, and Jesus looked up to heaven. Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, he cried, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For in that moment the eternal bond between the Father and the Son was severed, and the sins of all mankind were thrust onto Jesus as a tsunami does to the shore. Then Jesus yelled out one more time, Father, I give you my life. It is now finished. Then he gave his spirit to the Lord, the one who with a word spoke light and life into existence, spoke his final word. The same lungs that breathed life into mankind in the Garden of Eden exhaled their final breath. Yet that wasn't the end of the story. Three days after Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead. What at first might have appeared to be failure actually achieved an ultimate victory. Jesus died to take away our sins forever. When we place our faith in Him, we become totally forgiven people. No obstacle stands between us and God. We're saved from all punishment for sin and have total peace with God. Even further, through the death of Jesus, we die to the law and to the power of sin. But there's more. Jesus resurrected from the dead so that we could resurrect with him spiritually. At salvation, we're not just forgiven for our sins. We're also joined to Jesus and given his resurrection life. We live because he lives and will be saved as long as he lives to intercede for us. And that's forever. This is what it means, that Christ is our life. So, we have so much to celebrate in Jesus here and now. But one day, the Messiah, the hero, will return to end the serpent once and for all. Then I saw heaven split open like gates, and behold, a white horse descended from the skies, The one riding the horse was called Faithful and True. He was the warrior of justice, the finisher. His eyes were like flames of fire, and he was wearing a robe dipped in blood. His name was called the Word of God. He rode towards the beast with intent to kill. From his mouth was a sword. It extended to strike down all the evil nations below. He rode with the fury of God Almighty. Like the wind he galloped, and I could see writing carved into his thigh, saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. I watched as the beast rose up against the white rider. He gathered the evil armies of the earth and ran towards him. The mighty horsemen and the beast clashed. With a swoop of his sword, the rider enveloped the armies. The beast raged against him, but he was not equal to the Lord of Lords. His horns were ripped from his head, and his knees were torn from his limbs. With decisive justice, the hero of history cast the beast into the lake of fire. God's chosen hero, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, had defeated evil once and for all. 
Thank you for listening to the Heartbeat of Faith podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and let us know how this series has impacted your life. Remember to download the Pray.com app. And for more encouragement in God's grace, visit andrewfarley.org. That's andrewfarley.org.